You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We are a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Well, hello there, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage Change Recovery Podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe-Blassingame, and I am your host. And today, I am here with producer extraordinaire, Scott. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. Come in. Come in. It's cold Please. outside. Take off your jacket. Step Come on, on in. <laughs> Water's warm. This is going to shock you. We got a listener question. Q&A, if a you will. Q&A listener question. Uh, okay, so this one is from T. And this says, my dad and my grandfather are alcoholics. I think because I was so scared, I never became an alcoholic. But I worry about my kids. Are they as at risk as I was? And how do I know if they will be at higher risk to be alcoholics? And that was from T. So this is sort of like a question about generational alcoholism. And do you have family members going back that uh, had addiction and Yes, there's a lot of addiction and alcoholism in my family. It didn't all look the same, interestingly. So it wasn't like, oh, my grandfather was clearly an alcoholic. There's a lot of the recipe for addiction in my family. Some people, it turned into full-blown addiction. Others, it came out as obsessive compulsive disorder, came out as major anxiety, came out as major depression, came out as compulsive overeating. It's interesting how it has shown up over the course of generations, but it's absolutely there in every generation in some way, shape, or form. Addiction and mental health are absolutely genetically driven they have very large genetic components. However, you can do things to turn on or turn off certain genes. The question that the the listener is essentially asking is, are my kids destined to be alcoholics and or drug addicts or whatever, however you want to classify it? And what I would say to that is that you can change your destiny, that you may have the makeup, the gene makeup as my children do with two parents who struggle with mental health and are in recovery. But what we say is that genetics load the gun and environment pulls the trigger. So it doesn't have to be that way. Is it a component? Is our genetics relevant? Yes, they are. What are some of the things that are kind of like turn on switches? So there's a, a adverse childhood experiences, ACE, A-C-E test. The adverse childhood experiences test has 10 different things on it. The 10 adverse childhood experiences are defined as physical, sexual, or verbal abuse, physical or emotional neglect, separation or divorce, a family member with mental illness, a family member addicted to drugs or alcohol, a family member who is in prison, and witnessing a parent being abused. And I highly suggest that you take this quiz because, for example, a question might be, before your 18th birthday, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, or put you down? Did they ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Did you feel your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, support each other? So there's a bunch of ways to take this test. And, and what's interesting about the test 
is let me just read some of these stats because it's it's very relevant. So an ACE, ACE score of zero, your likelihood of becoming an alcoholic, 2.5%. If you have an ACE score of four, your likelihood of becoming an alcoholic, 11%. So in fourfold increase, okay, from zero to four. If you have an ACE score of four, you have a threefold increased risk of suffering from depression. You have a threefold increased risk of a serious problem working. Your risk doubles of having financial problems. Your risk doubles of heart disease and your risk doubles of having a stroke. So it's not just alcoholism, addiction. You can see there's a lot of other things. And that's when we talk about genetics, loading the gun and environment pulling the trigger, that epigenetics is the study of genetics being turned on or off by environment. So if you are a child who experiences the things that are on that ACEs test and you have two parents and grandparents and so on who were alcoholics or had severe mental illness, that's a big, big risk. However, the other piece is how heard does that child feel? How many resources to mental health care coping skills do they have? Do they witness coping skills and strategies in their home? Do they feel safe at home? Like There are a lot of things that that come into play. And there's also personality that comes into play. And I know that's not a talked about portion of this as much, but what I have seen personally is that there are some people who are just simply more resilient than others. There's more grit. There's Their personality is more aggressive. And my experience, again, this is just my experience, that the people who are more aggressive, angry, intense, kind of gritty, when they want to get better, they get better faster. Uh, like whenever people do this the first time, right? Like they they do something like an ACEs questionnaire, or in this case, maybe they're looking at this from their children's perspective. It, I think the name of the game or the way that I would often explain it is it's not the end of the story, but it, what it is saying is sort of what the stakes are. If your ACE score is seven, there's some help that needs to be to be received. Like you, you can't just assume that like that one's just going to like fix itself. These outcomes, the earlier that you can intervene, the more effectively you can intervene. Like those are the ways that you can shift some of those stories versus just like that this is a, the book is written, it's over. A lot of times it's helpful to think of it in terms of like, okay, we have to know where we're starting out from and you can't just like fall backwards into fixing it a lot of times. It means it's going to take some active work to get somewhere with it. The fact of the matter is we can see from outcomes that these experiences have long-term effects on people and that the sooner you treat them, the better the outcome is, right? It's like cancer. Do you want to treat it at stage four or stage one, right? You want to treat it at stage one. And so if you're a parent wondering about these things, how you can help providing resources, normalizing mental health care so that if and when they need it, it's not something that they have this huge ego about. They're so worried about. It's like, yeah, we go to the doctor to get our ears checked and we go to the psychologist to get our brain checked. And it's just normal, normalized getting help, normalized talking about feelings and identifying them. Because if you can't work through something that you can't even identify, just really helping kids to understand what it is they're feeling so that when the moment comes that they need help with something, they can at least identify some of the feelings that are going on. So yelling at someone who is already out of control can only lead to further dysregulation. Let me say that again. 
yelling at someone who is already out of control can only lead to further dysregulation. And tone of voice with people, especially children, is an indicator of their safety. I read this yesterday and posted it because I was feeling like this and I needed this reminder. And I think it plays into how we treat our children. So parenting can be such an all-consuming and thankless role. It can be challenging to just give and give and not feel like your efforts are being reciprocated. The thing is, children don't reciprocate in relationships in the same way that adults do. They reciprocate by showing you that they trust you and they feel safe with you. Sometimes that looks like releasing their most complex emotions when they are safely in your presence. It's very hard to see an upset child as someone who is reciprocating your relationship But what they're showing you is that you have effectively created a nest where they are free to feel and be who they are completely without conditions. That hit me like a ton of bricks because my kid, fucking asshole, he was like, mom, why are you so, I was making them dinner. Why are you so slow? Are you (laughs) fucking kidding me, dude? I said, I did say to him, I go, honey, I have been working all day. I'm now doing this. I'm cooking you dinner. I'm so tired. I'm hungry. And I'm making you dinner and you're calling me slow. That's not very nice. Can you imagine what that feels like? You know, and I'm trying to be like, can you imagine what that feels like? You know, whatever. When I read this excerpt about reciprocation and relationships with children, we do, we, I know I do. And I want them to be grateful and to reciprocate in the relationship and to see that they're flipping out and showing me their emotions or showing me their anger or showing me whatever that that is reciprocation because they feel safe with me. Let me just tell you, that's not intuitive because what I see is like a situation that requires more brain power for me. And what I want is as little brain power necessary as possible. But that is their reciprocation. That is them showing us that they feel safe. It's counterintuitive, but how we respond to that teaches them how safe they actually are. And The non-intuitive stuff is scary because that's the stuff that actually matters. And you're never going to know that stuff unless you learn it through reading and listening and interacting and trying to get well. And so the intergenerational addiction and trauma and mental health stuff, it's not a sentence, but it is if you don't do anything. It is if you will pass it on. I will pass my stuff on my disassociative, numb, difficulty stuff on, I will absolutely fully pass it on if I don't attempt to make changes and to discuss changes and create a safe environment for them. It's just, that's just the way it goes. There's a line that T said in there that said, like, I avoided being an alcoholic. Can you read that line to me again? It says, um, I think because I was so scared, I never became an alcoholic. Okay. So alcoholism addiction, if I were going to explain it in the simplest way possible, it's the combination of generalized anxiety and compulsive behavior. And they meet each other and they have a complete orgy, generalized anxiety everywhere, compulsivity everywhere, less party, right? That's if I were to describe addiction, that's what it looks like. If you have that and you didn't drink, you avoided alcoholism but you didn't avoid 
addiction. That is still that piece of you that that generalized anxiety, that that compulsion, that dysfunction still lives in there and is happy to come out at any time. And people do have it come out at retirement because, oh my gosh, I'll just, you know, start drinking now or whatever it is. So I want to just touch on that piece of it because I heard a little bit of this idea that like you chose to avoid it. And if you have the components of addiction, I believe that they will show up no matter how careful or afraid you are they will just show up differently. So I think it's important to also reflect on in this generational pattern, you may not have acted out with alcohol, but it's likely that unless you are completely well-adjusted and functional, that you have absorbed some of that stuff and put it elsewhere. Maybe you're a workaholic and society rewards that because you're really productive or you're incredibly neat and you can't handle one thing out of place or whatever it is. That is it being passed on. It's just showing up differently. So I want to be clear that alcoholism is one arm of this overarching disorder dysfunction that we have. And it's this desire for relief. And so you may look for relief in a more acceptable way to our society, but the likelihood is that you have absorbed that dysfunction that you say you're scared of and that you're using it differently. That that may be really positive and that may be something to pass on to your children is, you know, this is how I manage my this this feeling, whatever it is, but it's not something you can just will your way out of. I just want to be clear. Like it's not a, it's not a, it's not something people are not choosing to be alcoholics. They don't want to be alcoholics. They are desperate for relief. And yeah, and hopefully this is helpful for you, T. If nothing else, being a parent is just constant fear about the future for your kids and what's waiting for them. And especially when you feel like you have this hanging over your head, that's got to take up a lot of wavelength in your brain. Um, But hopefully some of what Ashley said is helpful for you. And maybe it can be the springboard for some more investigation and some more exploring the question and and what to do with it. Yeah, it's always a learning. (laughs) I, I learned recently I have resting bitch face and that this may be traumatizing my children because I have a highly sensitive child, uh, at least one, maybe the other will, remains to be seen. And he was like, why are you making, he, you know, he's like, why are you making that mean face? Yeah. And I was like, what mean face? He's like, that mean face that you're making, right? And I go, oh, baby, I was just thinking about something. I'm not, you know, whatever. I said, do I make that face a lot? He said, yeah, you make the mean face a lot. And I said, does that make you sad? He goes, yeah, it makes me think you're mad at me. And I said, Oh, baby, I'm not mad at you. I said, I want you to do something for me. Whenever you see that face, I want you to ask me, am I mad at you? Or what does your face mean? Because I said, do you know what? I don't even know I'm making that face. So we have had the conversation in our house. We had it last night. He said, mommy, you're making the face. And I was like, I'm I'm not mad at you at all. I was thinking about something at work and I, I, I'm really, really tired. I was and like, I changed my face, but like basically my resting bitch face is traumatizing. <laughs> and he's like, he's totally absorbing that as, as me because I'm looking at him, right? I'm looking at him and he's absorbing that as me giving him a mean face because he's so highly perceptive and sensitive. And of course, you know, my husband's been telling me I have resting bitch face for years. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Dak used to say things like, um, 
why do you have the, I want to kill you face on or like, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And I, and, but usually I was like, no, I do want to be yeah, like, that's accurate. Right. I am feeling that mm. good job. <laughs> good, accurate reading of the situation. Right. But like, I mean, think of how subtle that is. Think of how many times, like to me, I was like, how often during a day does my child think I'm angry with him? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, th- holy shit. And he has no idea. I have no idea because I'm thinking about other stuff. Right. The, that could be such a thing. My mom was always angry at me growing up, right? He has no idea, no context for the rest of my life or any of those things going on. And so as soon as I found that out, creating language where he can ask me, you ask me, I will tell you. And unfortunately or fortunately, he uses it a lot. I guess I have resting, resting bitch face a lot. That's the kind of stuff, man. Like it's just little stuff. And and I think the best advice or or hack, whatever you want to call it, is finding ways to communicate when something is like that happens where you're like, okay, so what is our shorthand? I apologize to my kid. And I say, you guys, mommy was so naughty. That was not okay. <laughs> mommy was so not, mommy should not have done that. I'm so sorry. I got, you know, or whatever. Like, and, and they're like, you rough mommy, you were naughty. You're so, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, wow, that word has really changed over the years. <laughs> yeah, sure has. I'm really, really taken on new meaning. But just being able to say to your kids, like th- the idea of I'm not perfect, I'm trying, I love you, ask me questions, the line of communication is open, things like that. Because again, if tone of voice, especially with children, is an indicator of safety, I mean, how many times am I like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no. How many times is my tone of voice saying like 10 other things? I'm sure all the time. So we all have to work on that stuff. And with our kids that are predisposed, we have to think about that more heavily. If somebody wants to get a question on the show like T, uh, what would they do to get a question on the show? Please email us your questions, podcast at lionrock.life. That's podcast at L-I-O-N-R-O-C-K dot like the period L-I-F-E. If we're still having to catch people up on what a dot is in an email address, then I know. Well, maybe they think it's like D-O-T, right? Oh, that's okay. That would be real terrible thing to do. But yes. Yeah, it's not DOT. It's like literally the period. Because people think dot com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. this is dot life. We're changing yeah. it up. And hey, listen, everybody, if you get a chance, please, 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 please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcasts, any platform. We really, really appreciate A, the feedback, and B, it helps our podcast tremendously. So if you're getting something out of this podcast, please take three minutes and go write us a review of how you've been helped by this podcast. We so, so appreciate it. It is podcast currency. So thank you. All right, friends. I will see you same time, same place next week. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a diverse and supportive recovery community offering weekly over 70 online peer support meetings, useful recovery information, and entertaining content. Whether you're newly sober, have many years in recovery, or you're recovering from something other than drugs and alcohol, we have space for you. Visit www.lionrock.life today and enter promo code COURAGE for one month of unlimited peer support meetings free. 
find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life. 